It's the 49th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. It's such an amazing thing to see all these people just running down the street all at the same time. 60,000 runners. Running releases a lot of endorphins. It's euphoric. 3,500 volunteers. And it's just fun high-fiving all the people when they run by. 6.2 miles. I'm not too concerned about being the first in. I just don't want to be the last one. All on the 4th of July. I'm there every year. Let's get you ready. This is the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. But thanks for joining us for season two of the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Here with Jay Holder of Atlanta Track Club, I'm Jennifer Perry, and we're going to be alongside you for the next several weeks, helping you get prepared for the 49th running of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. 60,000 runners strong today. So, Jay, we hope people take us along on their training runs. You can learn a lot from our upcoming guests. Yeah, we've got so much we can cover this season. We're in season two. This is year 49. So we've got 47 years worth (laughs) of peach trees to talk about. So we've got plenty of great information, whether it be training tips, first person stories of success from the AJC Peachtree Road Race, history of this this great event. So much to talk about this year. And I'm really excited about uh, these next six weeks. And I know thousands of people joined us for season one of the podcast. And hey, we'd love to hear from you too. Atlanta Track Club's on Facebook, on Twitter. If you have any questions for us, it's a great way to reach out to us. Yeah, and you can always email us at stories at atlantatrackclub.org. We want to not just hear your stories about why you run Peachtree, what you love about Peachtree, uh, some of your favorite Peachtree memories, but also any questions you have that we might be able to address as you train for this 10K. Because we're going to have a lot of great guests coming up here. Atlanta Track Club, volunteers, the people who make this race work, the elite athletes, and uh, actually one coming up today. I'm really excited about Alephine. If you don't know her story, she was last year's women's champ, right, Jay? She was, and and such a memorable victory for Alephine Tillumuk. Now, uh, she'll she'll tell us and talk about a little bit in her interview later on, a nine-time U.S. champion. She's had a great season so far, winning the... U.S. half championships and the U.S. 25K championships, and she's coming back to Peachtree to defend that U.S. 10K championship. She just lit up the crowd of 200,000 as she ran by on her way to victory last year, and it's it's really exciting to have her back and, and share those memories with her today. And then we also have Amy Begley, who is an Atlanta Track Club coach, and actually a lot of people have already started their training, and Amy's going to tell us a little bit later on today's podcast, is it too late to start training for the Peachtree six weeks out? Yeah, spoiler alert, it's not, but there are some (laughs) things you want to take into account if you haven't started training yet. So Amy's got some tips for those of us who may be procrastinating, but also for those who are out there on their own journey training for the race. Amy's one of the best 10K coaches anywhere in the world, and she's got a lot of great advice that we can all use. I wore my last year's AJC Peachtree Road Race t-shirt to a grocery store a couple of weeks ago. A couple just randomly comes up to me, oh, have you started training yet for this year? I mean, the whole community, the whole city seems to really get involved. But uh, this gentleman in particular told me, okay, I can't wait until June to start training this year. So we have to get started somewhere. (laughs) So so have you started? Oh, yes. Okay, good, Yes, I have started. You know, I'm like so many runners, though. It gets a little bit slower for me the older I get. However, I think this is still always going to be the most fun I ever have. It's great. And how many peach trees is this for you? This will be number 11. Number 11. All consecutive? All consecutive. Wow. Yes. I started covering this race as a reporter here in Atlanta Mm -hmm. several years ago. And so I would go out and interview spectators and racers. And I thought, wow, there's such an energy on July 4th. I want to do this. And so I put it on my bucket list. And then I, I told you last season, 
I got hooked after year one. So I think I will continue this Peachtree streak as long as the knees hold up. <laughs> I never get to run it, which is which is a little disappointing. But just being involved and being at the finish line, I get to the finish line really early on July 4th and obviously involved with a lot of the planning of the race. That's just I think it, it's got to be just as rewarding um, yeah. as running it. It's just so great to watch everybody cross the finish line and, and accomplish that goal, no matter whether they're the winners or the 60,000th person that comes across. It's, it's so much fun every year, and I, I can't wait until July 4th. And as the runners, I think we all appreciate the volunteers along the course. I mean, it takes an army of people to really get this race going. But uh, there's one man who really leads this army. So I'm going to let you introduce us to our very first guest this yeah, season. He's the executive director of Atlanta Track Club, and that makes him the race director of the world's largest 10K, the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And that's Rich Kanaan now entering his 2014, 15, 16, 17, <laughs> fifth AJC Peachtree Road Races race director. Jay was just telling us about what race day is like for him, but from your perspective, how does race day start for you and how does that finish? Race day never necessarily starts or ends for for, <laughs> for the race director. Sort of you, you bleed from July 3rd into July 4th. But the reality is race day is, is when I, for the most part, have the opportunity to sit back and just watch it all happen. We spent an entire year planning the world's largest 10K. And to be honest, there's not a whole lot that I can do at that point. We just hope that we've done a great job planning. And for 48 years so far, that has happened. Going on 49, almost 50. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes here because I'm sure there are big plans for that year. But in terms of the 60,000 runners, I mean, there's 60,000 different stories here for all of those people who make that 10K trek down Peachtree every year. But what are some of your favorite stories looking back at the last five years? It's hard to prioritize any one story over another. We talk about this being the world's largest running party as opposed to the world's largest race because it, it truly is a celebration of the 4th of July here in Atlanta. But I would say the the one memory that stands out the most is, is my first year here standing at the finish line. One of the last finishers across um, the finish line was uh, a veteran who had lost two limbs. Oh, wow. And, uh, and our start line announcer, uh, I was a Vietnam veteran. So the the welcome that he gave to this veteran as he was coming across the line was special. Oh, one of those goosebump moments. Sure. I mean, you just don't know what's coming when you have those 60,000 stories crossing the finish line there at the AJC Peachtree Road Race. But obviously, this is a huge event. And the thing that I hear from all the runners every single year is just how seamless everything seems to be. If we do our job, it looks seamless, but underneath the water, the ducks are <laughs> paddling pretty quickly. The, the heat is probably our biggest challenge, and unfortunately, or fortunately how you look at it, that's the one thing we can't control. True. So we just deal with whatever Mother Nature throws at us, and typically it's a hot day. And we've got decades worth of experience in our medical tents uh, at the start line and at the finish line to deal with, with the impact of that heat. Well, in terms of what's new for 2018, Rich, anything different that runners can expect this year? Sure. It's funny you, you follow up with that question. We are going to make a change to the start time of this year's Peachtree, uh, and that is in part due to uh, an understanding and a realization that it's not going to get any cooler in, the, in Atlanta <laughs> on the 4th of July. So we determined to move the start time back 30 minutes so that that first main wave, the main start, has tipped 
typically been at 7.30. Hasn't always been at 7.30. It used to be at 8 o'clock once upon a time. Hmm. Uh, but we're, we're moving it from 7.30 back to 7 a.m. And that moves everyone up 30 minutes and gets us a little bit ahead of that, that heat as it develops throughout the morning. And again, it's about safety, isn't it, Rich? It is about safety. It's about making sure everyone has a fun, safe experience on the 4th of July. Speaking of fun experiences, Jennifer alluded to it earlier, but this is year 49, and and generally planning for Peachtree is a year-round event, but planning for the next one, the 50th, so we're here planning for the 49th, but planning's already underway for the 50th. Correct. We want to make sure that the 50th is something to remember. Now, of course, every Peachtree is something to remember, um, but for for those individuals and families who make this part of their 4th of July tradition, we want to make sure that we celebrate this, not just on the 4th of July, uh, but throughout those early months of 2019. It is a tradition for so many people, guys. Do we know how many people have that 48-year streak going and could make it to number 50? Yes, we know exactly how many, and that's and that's one. Just one. Just one. Wow. Just one. One individual, and he's very much looking forward to the fiftieth. Uh, we had originally 110 finishers in that first Peachtree, uh, so we have a few of those who come back, uh, but they have not participated in every one. Well, in terms of how the race has evolved over the years, I mean, every single year you're tweaking something. I will say for all of the runners who participated last year. Thank you for the chilled water bottles, because that was an important change for so many of us in a very hot year. But always you're, you're looking at the latest in technology and how you communicate with runners, too, with the alert system. There's always something different. I know, again, you're looking out for the safety, but also for those of us who consider this a tradition, I think we look forward to something a little bit new every year. And we look forward to, to bringing something new every year. There's something a little bit you know, scary and daunting about making even a minor change to an event of this scale. So mm-hmm. you referenced the water. Uh, it went well. It didn't go perfectly, but it went well. Uh, so we look forward to delivering cold water to to all the participants again here on the on the 49th running. Uh, in terms of what's new for this year, it's still a work in progress. Okay. Uh, but we you know we plan to continue to integrate technology like we had last year, the video board at the start line. I will say that that safety continues to be front and center for me as the race director. Uh, so for those participants who are used to bringing shoulder carried water or sack packs or other bags to the start line. We've had a long-standing policy to not allow those in the race, Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes they still make it to the start line. Uh, There'll be an enhanced effort around the start line this year to communicate to everyone not to bring your shoulder-carried water, not to bring your bags, leave them at home Mm -hmm. so that you don't get delayed because you're not going to get to the start line if you're carrying those bags. And And there's plenty of water on the course. Exactly. Powerade, too. I mean, you have different options all along the course. There's enough water in Atlanta to float a few battleships (laughs) on the 4th of July. I do believe so. But so many people consider this a tradition, and it's already the world's largest 10K. Have you ever given thought to expanding it to even more runners? I think about it all the time. One of our challenges is the heat. So on the front side, you've got darkness, you know, the light of day. Uh, and then on the back side, you have the heat of the day. So we are, we're considering bumping up the number of participants that we allow through the lottery uh, for the 50th. But we'll, we'll see. Stay tuned. We talk about the, the 50th coming up. And, and every year, this race is such a celebration, not just for the runners, but for the spectators, for everyone in Atlanta. And, and as a race director, you work hand-in-hand with so many 
local agencies that make this race possible every year. Talk about what this race means, what this event means to the city as a whole. You know, I'm still learning the answer to that question, Jay. When I got here and had the privilege of taking on uh, being the race director for the world's largest 10K, I saw it as just that, the race director for a really large race. Uh, But with each year that passes, I recognize more and more what this means, this event means to the city. This is more than a race. It's more than a party. It's just the tradition here in Atlanta. And it touches everyone. It touches uh, the runners and walkers who participate. It touches the spectators. But of course, it touches just about every city and state agency here in Atlanta and around the state. It's amazing how many people get involved in this race every year, but you guys are doing races year round. I was telling Jay before we even started this podcast, it seems like every single week there's some race related event going on and you've really put Atlanta's running community on the map. And I think that's really apparent, especially with our selection for the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. That's a huge feather in your cap. Yeah, we're excited about what the 2020 uh, Olympic marathon trials will do for the national running scene for for those Olympic hopefuls. Uh, but more importantly, we're interested in in building on that Olympic legacy that Atlanta has with our own new Olympic future in, in the marathon here. Uh, so this means inspiring, inspiring all those who participate in our events, the 125,000 people who participate in, in our roughly 40 events each year. And uh, on season one of the podcast, too, we talked about preserving some of Atlanta's Olympic tradition. You made major strides with that since we last talked last season. Yeah, so you're referring to to the Cheney Stadium track, which was the Olympic warm-up track from 1996. And so it has been resurfaced uh, as a result of the generosity of a lot of uh, Peachtree participants and our members uh, and some of our sponsors. Uh, So if you go down to, to Cheney Stadium on any given day, you'll see a mix of youth track and field teams, moms in the neighborhood walking around uh, with their children around the track, to high school teams, to local college teams using that track. And we're very proud of that partnership we have with APS. And the only stipulation we had was that the the gates to that track stay open 24-7, so it's available to everyone in the community. Love that, because you don't know which future Olympian could be training out there right now. I have no doubt that there is a future Olympian out there training right now. Yeah, but uh, in terms of the 2020 trials too, what kind of planning goes into that kind of event? So the Peachtree is this monster challenge with its just sheer scale. And the trials are a challenge in a very different way. There's only going to be three to 400 athletes there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're, you're determining the direction of, of some people's lives in, right. in, in the outcome of that race. Uh, so there are very specific rules that need to be followed for a championship event. Uh, there's very specific hydration needs for those athletes. And to be honest with you, we have very high expectations on how we want to treat those Olympic hopeful athletes when they're here in Atlanta. Uh, So a lot of moving parts in there that we've already started to plan, and that planning will go sort of in parallel with this year's 49th Peachtree and next year's 50th Peachtree because 2020 will be here before you know it. Well, I have no doubt that uh, you and all the volunteers and the great staff here at Atlanta Track Club will pull that off. But in terms of planning for Peachtree, what are the next few weeks like for you? I know we're talking a lot about training for us average runners here on the podcast, but what is involved in this lead up for you at Atlanta Track Club? The the lead up for us is not unlike the lead up for those who are uh, preparing to participate. Uh, These next few weeks are the hard weeks. These are the, the long longer days, the more stressful days. And again, as I mentioned earlier, once we get to race day, I mean, there's stress, but but the hay's in the barn, the work is done, much mm-hmm. like a participant's, uh, you know, workouts have been done at that point. So uh, long days, short sleep, stress, 
Uh, lots of work for both uh, myself and our staff and our board and our volunteers, which are you know, th- four to 5,000 volunteers who are part of this process. Uh, this is the fun stuff. This, this is why we do what we do. At the end of race day, do you get to go enjoy fireworks, a barbecue, or do you just go sit on the couch? <laughs> so, so in each of the last four years, I, I've gone into the day saying, I, I'm going to stay up for the fireworks this year, um, but I have yet to make it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if this is the year. <laughs> we'll move them up this year. We'll start them at four. <laughs> Rich Knaw, Atlanta Track Club Executive Director, Race Director to the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks so much for being our very first guest on season two of the Peachtree Podcast. Thanks for having me. Peachtree Podcast brought to you by Delta. With Delta, fly towards something better with the help of 80,000 employees who do everything they can to help you explore what's possible. Your next opportunity is a flight away with service to the most destinations nonstop from Atlanta. Delta is the official airline of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Delta, keep climbing. Here on the Peachtree Podcast, we're talking to Alephine Tullymuck, defending champion of the AJC Peachtree Road Race and the 2017 U.S. 10K champion, fresh off two U.S. championships in the past couple of weeks. Congrats on everything so far. Thank you. Alephine, we're talking to you on May 14th. The podcast doesn't drop until May 20th, but here it is two days after winning the 25K championships, eight days after winning the U.S. half championships? Yes because that was six days apart, yeah. Right. So that's quite a stretch. Uh, <laughs> you, you must uh, be feeling pretty good right now. I am feeling a little bit tired, but feeling really, really good about everything, really, yeah. Um, I've had a really tough spring. I am coming off a back injury. I had a herniated disc on my lower back, and it took a really long time to um, get healed. And even when I wasn't feeling the pain, my body wasn't just ready. So this last week has been really, really nice, and it gave me the confidence that I need. I know up until just a couple days ago, we weren't sure if we'd have you back for Peachtree, even though you're the defending champion. I know it was up in the air. Going into the half champs in Pittsburgh last week, were you really that uncertain of where your fitness was? And was that a big surprise for you to come across the finish line first? Yes, I was actually. I mean, like I'm only, uh, I've been in Flagstaff for like three months now. And I have done my workout on like a hard course and soft just because I couldn't go to the roads because of my back and I wasn't really sure where my fitness was. And I went to Pittsburgh knowing that there's a chance I could win. But also three weeks before that, I ran like the worst rest of my life and <laughs> it felt like it was so fast. I mean, I knew that if I had a good day, I could win. But the time though, I did not expect that. I did not expect to feel as good as I did. Pittsburgh's and a tough course. It is a tough course, yes. The last part of it though, like I think the last about six or so miles except like mile 13 it was really hard and i was just lucky i don't know like obviously i was fit but it felt good to finally be back to my normal self yes and alafine i think there's some lessons in, in this for us average runners too in that even an elite runner like yourself you don't really know exactly how that race is going to play out, but the key is always preparation and trying to get yourself in the best form possible. So in terms of how you train for this 10K distance, how does that differ from what you did for the half and what you're doing for these other distance races? So, I mean, the half and the 25K, it's mostly just longer workouts, but the 10K, if I do the longer workout, they're going to leave me at the start line. So <laughs> I think... Going into the 10K, I need more turnover, I need more leg speed, which I don't have right now. 
And so I have a lot of work to do, but thank God I still have, what, like six weeks? Yeah, you got six weeks. So what's the recovery process after more than 28 and a half miles of racing in the last week? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not like I ran them, you know, in one day. It was just like two hard days, you know, six days apart. And actually, like, honestly, this last race that I ran, I didn't go out as hard as I have gone in the past. As a matter of fact, I ran a minute slower than I ran last year. But the first half of it, I ran the same pace I did last year. And then the last half, I just, when I broke away, I just decided to just cruise and make sure that I won. It wasn't about the time. Worth pointing out, Elephine mentioned that she won the U.S. 25K Championships last year. It's actually now three years in a row winning the U.S. 25K Championships. And this year, and I'm not sure if you've done it in the past year, so you'll have to let me know. This year, there was a bonus for beating the men's winner. The men started 11 minutes and 15 seconds after the women started, and Alephine still beat the men's winner across the line, Sam Chalenga, by 34 seconds. Oh, wow. I think about 31 seconds, but this is something that has been there for the last three years that Mm -hmm. I have read. And lucky enough or surprisingly, I have won them all three. Mm -hmm. But this year, like I remember one of my training partners ran the race, and he said, I'm coming for you. And I said, you know what? You probably have it. Like, I'm not going after the, you know, the equalizer bonus. And up until the last mile, I thought the guys were going to catch me. And then, like, at the last mile, I was like, well, maybe if I actually stick out my nose, I might even win it again. But, like, it was never a goal of mine to go and beat the guys this year. Whereas the past couple of years, I wanted to be the first person to cross the finish line. You talk about the training partner. I imagine you're talking about Scott Fobble, who was second. Yes, I, and, yes. And only second by four seconds. So uh, Hoka won one, Naz Elite, having a pretty good season. And this is a, a fairly new training group for you. Talk about the transition from you were in Santa Fe before, right? Yes. And now yes. you're in Flagstaff with Ben Rosario's group. Talk about the training there and the transition from Santa Fe to Flagstaff. When I came here to visit, I asked Ben, you know, can I see like the past six months training schedule that you've had? I looked at it and it wasn't really so much different from what I was doing in Santa Fe. And it helped so much that it was about the same elevation. And so in terms of training, really, like there's just a few things that are different, but I'm doing about the same mileage as I was doing. Well, I mean, I do have different workouts, but it hasn't been hard for me to transition. It's been smooth, I will say. Yeah, it's been easy because I'm used to running like high mileage and that's what I think we do here. So it hasn't really been hard. But the different thing though, it's been uh, meeting my group almost every day. There's weeks where I think we met for six days and I'm like, by the sixth day, I was like, okay, I'm about, like, I think I need to sleep in. (laughs) I am super lazy. No, seriously, like if I don't have to meet anybody, I don't get out of bed until about 9 a.m. at least. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's good to know that you have those kinds of days too, Alephine. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I imagine you guys don't have that luxury though. But um, <laughs> it's been nice because then it forces me to get out of bed as much as I don't like it. But then later on, I'm like, oh, I have the whole day to myself and I like it. So with Santa Fe, I did have people to run with. But we only met during hard days, like, you know, during workout days. Here though, we meet, you know, like, be it a workout day or be it an easy day. So I think meeting during the easy days has really helped me because sometimes I am so tired that I just don't want to do it. But when you have people pulling you along, it's very, very helpful. So you prefer to run with a group or on your own? 
Oh, I always want to run with people. <laughs> well, you have 60,000 of us to run with coming up on July 4th Yay! again. I feel yeah. like maybe we yeah. were kind of pushing you along last year, Alephine. You get that vantage point that so many of us will never have at the very front of the pack. Tell us what it's like to run these hills and through the exceptional heat that we had last year here in Atlanta for July 4th. I mean, like, I've done a lot of interviews, I've ran a lot of races, and honestly, like, if I'm being very, very honest to myself, that race in Atlanta, for whatever reason, I don't know if it had anything to do with the fact that it was 4th of July or what, but, like, it's one of the most memorable races I've ever run, and the feeling that I had, I remember the next day my arms were so sore because I held my flag for so long and my cheeks were really painful because I smiled a lot. <laughs> that was one of the most memorable images of last year's race, though, Alephine. It was such a special moment there. It was. And then, like, I don't know, like, you guys did such a great job. Like, I just had such a good time that even though I ran it only once, I haven't run it more than once, and I didn't know anything about it before then, but I just think that you guys have something really special going on, and I had a really good time. And oh, by the way, congratulations on winning the bid for the 2020 uh, US Olympic trials. That's really cool. I am excited for that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about that. I know the marathon's on your radar for sure. Are you gonna take advantage of the trip here in July to maybe check out the train of the potential marathon course? Absolutely, yes. I think my coach and managers and I decided that, um, you know, at some point during my trip to Atlanta, one of my training partners, Stephanie Bruce, is also running, uh, well, actually, I think she might be running the 10K. And if that happens, Hi and I are going to run the Olympic trials course. I hear it's pretty hilly, well, and that's scary. <laughs> well, we're, we're, uh, the course is still a work in progress, but what I can say is that it's Atlanta flat. <laughs> ah, Atlanta flat is not flat anyway. Atlanta flat is not flat. But if you've run in Central Park and you have, it's a lot like that. It's a lot like running in Central Park. Ooh. Oh my God, that's pain. Yeah. <laughs> but nice, you know, because I think that at the end of the day, in a course like that, the athletes that are going to win are the athletes that are most prepared and that the tough ones. Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know. And so that will be exciting. I'm super excited that I get to come to Atlanta this year again to run in the city that is going to host 2020 Olympics. I mean, it can't get any better than that. I think last time you came here, you had to get back because you were working as a nurse. As nursing assistant. Nursing assistant. Are you still doing that or are you able to... Actually, no. So when I left Santa Fe, I had to leave my job and I haven't really had a chance to like try to get back to that. And I mean, it would be pretty hard for me to find, um, you know, a boss that is as flexible as I had in Santa Fe because in Santa Fe I I only worked whenever I was available and whenever I wasn't too tired so that was really cool and I had a family that I was super super close with that I was working with but now I I almost feel like you know maybe down the road I might decide to do that again but like I just don't want to like overwork myself. Yeah. Well, that makes your story even more impressive to those of us who followed you. And it's certainly been a great year for you, Alephine. It's been a great year for American women in general. We're really seeing this resurgence right now. And you kind of mentioned that competitive spirit. Does that make you even more competitive when you're out there right now, knowing that you have people hot on your heels every single time you're approaching that starting line? Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, talking about how competitive American when I've gotten, my goodness, I mean, I think this is the best time to be a long-distance runner here in America, especially as a female long-distance runner. 
for the first time ever, I mean, we had a winner in New York, we had a winner in Boston, and I think a lot of kids watching that are like, whoa, we can do it, we can be winners someday. Now more than ever, like, the world is looking up to America and thinking, wow, maybe like, you know, like some other countries, they're not thinking that Kenyans are going to dominate or Ethiopians or East Africans, you know, like they used to in the past. Now people, I think, are beginning to learn that with hard work and determination, you could get it. And American distant women are doing just that. And for me, as an, a long distance runner, while it's exciting, I think that making the Olympic team is going to be really, really mm-hmm. hard. You know, I say that with a marathon, a lot of things could happen. But I just know, though, that getting into that start line healthy and racing with those women, you do have to give everything you got in order to be even in the top five. So it's going to be uh, interesting and exciting. What do you attribute the rise to? Is it the training groups like yours? Why now? Why are we seeing this resurgence now? People are putting in the work. And they are believing in what they are doing. They are believing that they don't have to be training in Kenya to to win these races. They are believing that what their coaches are giving them is working and they are being consistent. Even when it's not working, like I remember I read something, you know, from Desi Linden along the lines of, you know, some days you feel like you got it and some days they're just really, really hard. But you have to go through those cycles. You have to believe that the process works. And you have to keep going even when things are going south. You just have to keep showing up. I think that's what is happening with American distant running. Like they're believing in themselves. They're believing in their training. They're being consistent. They're showing up even when things are not working well. And it's paying off finally. I mean, look at Shalane Flanagan, for example. How many years has she wanted? Like she went to, I think, Berlin a couple of years ago to get the American record. She didn't succeed. I don't remember if it was the year after or the year before that she went to Boston wanting to win. It, she didn't succeed. And finally, maybe at a time when she least expected, she won New York. Oh, look at this Linden. I mean, I feel like even a couple of days before the race, nobody really talked much about her. But then when you look at her statistics, you know, she's been there all the time. She's gotten so closer to winning it than any other American woman. But then, like, it was just continuing to show up. She could have given up, but she didn't. And finally, she won. So I think it's just the consistency. I think all these winners, these champions would also say that teamwork goes into that. We've seen that, especially with Boston and the conditions there. Is there a lesson in this for the rest of us, Alophine, in terms of having that training partner to keep you accountable and to have them pushing you when the times get a little bit tough? Absolutely. I'm a big proponent of having people to run with. For example, when I do have my hard workouts, even before I move to Flagstaff, I always wanted somebody to run with to like push each other with because if you're running by yourself it's really really easy to lose focus you cannot get as much out of yourself as you would if you had somebody else like if you're running by yourself you get into your head and you like you know what i'm tired and i still have about five miles to go whereas if you have someone else running with you you don't really have a choice but to keep up with them Mm -hmm. and that just like helps you mentally too like you don't have to think too much so i think teamwork is very important I mean, running is almost like an individual sport, but at the same time, it's also teamwork. Let's talk about Peachtree just a little bit. I remember last year watching you, you took it out hard and sort of left everybody in the dust pretty early on in the race. Is that the strategy for this course or is it going to change year to year depending on who else is in the field? 
Come on, I can't tell you that. That's a top <laughs> notch. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know yet. I still have six weeks to figure that out. I think depending on how my fitness, you know, will come along, if I'm super fit. At this point, honestly, I don't know what the strategy is going to be, but I just know the ultimate goal is to win. Always I would win. love to smile until my cheeks hurt like last year. <laughs> I would love to take so many pictures with so many people and so many little kids. Mm-hmm. I would love to hold my flag until my arms can't support me anymore. That I will do it anytime if I have the opportunity. So that is my goal. That's my end goal. Now, how I get there, I don't know yet. Besides the race part, what are you looking forward to about coming to Atlanta? What did you like about your trip here last year other than the running part? Well, it still has something to do with running. But remember when we went to that soccer game? Yeah. <laughs> I have never been to a soccer game before. <laughs> and I had so much fun just cheering. My goodness, like, I never thought that I would enjoy cheering for other sports other than running. But being in that soccer game, that was so much fun. I just had a blast. And being able to, uh, what do you call to hammer the... Uh, hammered the spike. That's the Atlanta yeah, United Yeah, that was uh, like... hammered the spike oh, last nice. year at the Atlanta United game. <laughs> Big honor. I just, I felt so privileged. I felt such an honor. And so that, I look forward to that again. But again, that has something to do with winning. So that means I do have to win in order to get that opportunity. But also, I feel like, you know, the city is beautiful. I loved, you know, hanging out with you guys where we went to the sports club, the Atlanta track club. That was really cool. Like, I, I just enjoyed a lot of things. I may not remember specifically, you know, but I think the city in general has a really good energy. I'm definitely not looking forward to the heat, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's already 95 here and it's May. So, but I will say you made a lot of fans here last year, mm-hmm. and I think they're all going to be really excited to see you back. You've won. I'm sure you're keeping track. How many U.S. championships now? I counted eight today, but I feel like it's more than that. Nine. 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 Okay, nine. Yeah. Hey, I got two this week. Oh, there we go. Two. So two more. Does that ever get old? Is that ever going to wear off? No, absolutely not. It never wears off. When I cross that finish line and I'm given that American flag, there's some emotions that goes through and it takes me back to when I was sworn in. And I remember, not that when we crossed the finish and we hear the, you know, national anthem, but like I remember when that national anthem was sung, you know, during the ceremony, I cried. It just got so emotional. And right now, like each time I go to a race and I hear like right before the race, I hear the national anthem. It just brings so much emotions. But like being able to cross that finish line and having that flag draped around me, it's very special. And it will never wear out. Like if I had the opportunity to do it all the time, I would love to do it. Yeah. Obviously, I know that I won't do it forever, but I am going to capitalize on doing it now when I can. Well, there's something so special, Alephine, about your story. And I think for all of us, running a race on July 4th, when you run under that huge American flag there at the starting line, I think that's one of those goosebump moments for all of us. But you're right. There is something very special about celebrating that freedom. But I'm wondering... You're going so fast on this route. Do you really get to take in all the sights and the sounds of Peachtree? Do you notice all the spectators or are you kind of in the zone? It's a yes and no. So when I have a race where I break away early enough and I'm not too worried about somebody catching me, then I have a chance to, you know, like enjoy the <laughs> entertainment in the course. Like I remember sometimes I'm thinking, wow, that's a really good band. <laughs> but if I have like a neck to neck race, then the only thing that matters at that point is just 
getting, you know, one step in, you know, in front of the other and trying to make sure that I can break away the other athletes. So, yeah, like it depends. Well, we would love to see you draped in that American flag yet again this year. And uh, we'd like to make it to the finish line and find out that you won again. So uh, Uh, that would be such an honor. It will be, I mean, that will be my title number 10 and there's no better place to get it than Atlanta. I think a lot of people will be cheering for you out on the course this year, especially after after last year. Alephine Tulimuk is the 2017 AJC Peachtree Road Race Champion and therefore the 2017 and defending US 10K Champion and a good bet to come back and win it again. And one more thing, um, you know, you sent me that, uh, is that like a newsletter? And they had my, I, my picture was on the cover. On the cover and of Wingfoot Magazine. That was just amazing. Yeah, that magazine had never been on, you know, like the top cover of a magazine before. And seeing that, like, I kept that away to show it to my grandchildren in future. That was very special. Like, there's just so many reasons for me to come back to Atlanta and hopefully do it really, really well. well I mean, we- you guys just set my expectations so high that, I mean... It's amazing. You guys are awesome. Well, you're welcome here. Anytime you want to come run about any of our races, open invitation. I would love to. Thank you. Thanks, Alephine. Have a good one. Thank you so much. And you guys have a beautiful day. And thanks for giving me the opportunity to, you know, say a little bit about myself. Of course. We'll see you real soon. See you soon. Okay. Thanks, Alephine. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Looking for a whole new kind of energy bar? The Cliff Kitchen has brought together two great energy foods, a delicious creamy nut butter inside an organic energy bar to deliver sustained energy. Be sure to stop by the Cliff Bar booth at the Expo and try Cliff Nut Butter Filled Energy Bar. One of the great things about working with Atlanta Track Club is that you have access to some world-class coaching here. And actually, Peachtree and Training's been underway for a few weeks now, right, Jay? Yeah, and Amy Begley is the uh, the coach of In Training for Peachtree, our In Training program designed specifically for the AJC Peachtree Road Race. And whether it's your first Peachtree or your 49th Peachtree, <laughs> uh, this program is designed to make it your best peach tree and amy we'd like to say you you help put the pr in hashtag ajc prr um <laughs> tell us okay so we're, we're about six weeks away from the race now so you probably should have been training already but it's not too late to get started right it's definitely not too late to get started even if you have not been doing anything you can probably get to the point where you can walk it and still be able to enjoy july 4th um, but i would definitely start this week if you've not started if I'm in, in training for Peachtree, what, what's happening right now? What, where are your training groups at? I know there are there are six of them around the metro Atlanta area meeting at different local run specialty stores. What are they doing this weekend? Um, this weekend, we have mostly our level twos are going five miles, and we just started adding hill repeats. And this sixth week is actually, I think, what, Memorial Day weekend? So we're letting people do it on their own, (laughs) and they're about halfway through, but they're already up to anywhere from eh, four to five miles, depending if they started late or if they're on time. You mentioned hill repeats, obviously pretty important for for the peach tree uh, with cardiac hill coming at, at mile three, certainly not a flat course. Tell me a little bit about the hill repeats that you guys do in in training for peach tree, how those are structured, how many and what the distances that the runners are doing. Well, most of our courses in Atlanta have hills in them. So we don't do as many hill repeats. We do a couple weekends of them, and mostly it's just to work on your form. Uh, we start off with anywhere from you know three to four. It's not very long. It's a pretty short but steep hill just to work on form and getting used to being able to go up 
make sure you're not looking down at your feet, making sure you're using your arms um, and you're trying to land, you know, flat and not on your heels. That form is so important, Amy, and I know this is a podcast, but a lot of people are going to be listening for this on their training runs. How important is that form? And then should you adjust your form, say, for injury or for the type of terrain that you're covering? It definitely. A lot of people, you know, don't pick up their feet when they run. Um, uh-huh. like to shuffle. So when you're up the hill, you want to you try to land, you know, either more on your forefoot or try to land a more flat knot with your heels. Uh, you want to make sure that you're using your arms because your arms are driving your legs forward. And if you have long stride, you want to shorten your stride just a little bit and quicken the stride as well. And then when you're going down, back down that hill, you want to make sure that you're landing flat-footed and not on the heel. Landing on the heel, braking motion, and that's going to definitely, you're going to feel that in your knees and your back if uh, you do that. The other challenge, of course, is the heat. So what tips do you have for us on how we adapt over these next several weeks as it starts to feel more like summer? Yeah, definitely. It, it takes seven to 10 days to acclimate to any temperature. So staying inside every single day is not going to help you. You need to be mm-hmm. outside for something. And you don't have to necessarily be running outside every day, but you should be outside every day to start getting used to the heat and humidity. Um, and you need to hydrate, and a lot of people just hydrate with water or coffee, but you really need to add electrolytes in that, and that'll make a huge difference in how you feel. Can you really hydrate with coffee? <laughs> well, some people think so. That's all they have some days on Saturdays. I mean, it is like mostly water, right? So it's- <laughs> We'd like to think so anyway, but uh, the heat is a challenge. The hills are a challenge, but what else do you think is a real challenge about this course for both the newbies and the people who've been doing it for years? What's the real challenge with this 6.2 mile trek? A lot of it is some people go out really too hard on the first 5K. Um, if you're not used to being a downhill runner, um, it can take a lot out of you if you're not careful. The other thing that it's hard for people is running with 60,000 people. They're not sure. used to being able to you know, go around people. They're not used to being as agile, I guess. Um, so they really need to pay more attention than they usually would in a race or on their own run. And you really have to be, I guess, <laughs> paying attention is a good thing because people are really cutting you off or they're going to get water or they're going to wave at their friends. So paying attention is, is really big. Not running with headphones. Oh, yes. Not running with headphones. You don't need them for this race, you know? You shouldn't. (laughs) Also, I think the sheer amount of walking and uh, amount of time you spend on your feet before and after the race, I know that's a big talking point for you all and in training for Peachtree. Definitely. We tell people that just going six miles in training is not going to be the best thing for you to do. You need to go more like eight miles before the race because you have to get there really early. You're going to have to walk to the starting line. You're going to have to go through the race, which after you zigzag around people, you're probably running more like 6.5 miles instead of 6.2. And then you have to walk through the finish line and get your awesome t-shirt. And hopefully if you're a member and you meet us at the member tent. So by the time you get done with the day, you've done eight plus miles because you have to get back to your car or get to Marta. If you've only ever gone six miles, by the time you get to mile four in Peachtree, you've probably already gone that six. And so these next two are going to be the longest miles you've ever done. And it's going to be hot and it's going to be a little bit uphill. So you need to train more than six miles for this race. You train such a wide range of athletes. There there are hundreds of runners in the In Training for Peachtree program, and they range from the beginner to the very experienced. And you're also the coach of Atlanta Trek Club's elite team. How How do you vary the training plan for the different levels of runners that you're preparing for this event? Now, every runner comes to us on a different journey. Um, some people start back after years of not doing anything. Some people, this is the first time they've ever done anything. 
Um, so you really have to take the person and their journey into account. So that's why our programs are really flexible for people. Um, you don't have to run every day. You don't have to walk every day. You need to be active, you know, probably three days a week to really be successful. And again, that should be outside to get used to the heat and humidity. But you really have to take into account just making it slow and easy and helping people fit this into their lifestyle and making it a lifestyle. We talked about hills, but what about the surface that people run on? So a lot of people don't run on asphalt every day or a lot of people run on asphalt every day. When you're running a road race, what's the right combination there of trails or soft surfaces versus running on roads and sidewalks? Well, a lot of the participants that we have, they never run on soft surface. They're a little bit afraid of the unevenness, but the unevenness can actually help you increase the lower leg strength, which can help you know decrease in foot injuries and ankles and shins. But I recommend trying to do about 50-50. You have to be on the roads at some point to callous your legs up to being on the roads, but also being on the soft surface can help strengthen lower legs and help you avoid injury from just decreasing some of the pounding. Well, Amy, I know this is a summer race, so sometimes it is hard to get faster in these summer months, but Jay did mention you put the PR in AJC, PRR, but uh, is this a race where we should be trying to set some of those personal records and what can we be doing to actually trim those times over the next several weeks? Oh, it's hard depending on where you start in the race. You know, if you're starting in the same place as you did last year, you know, now you at least know what you're going to be up against with going around people. You're a little bit smarter with dealing with heat and humidity. Um, so the goal should probably be doing better than you did in your last Peachtree because there's really very few races like Peachtree. So I, mm-hmm. I would recommend putting Peachtree against Peachtree and Peachtree not against some other races. Yeah, How does it compare? And I know we, we talked to Alephine uh, Tulimuk who won last year's race about this earlier in the show, but you've run a lot of 10Ks in your day when in your career as a professional runner. How does the Peachtree compare to other 10Ks on the road? I mean, this one's definitely interesting because your first 5K could be your fastest 5K you've run in the last year if you really go out and get really excited about it. Uh, the, our first 5K of the Peachtree is really fast. If you're not used to that, you can definitely suffer in the last half of Peachtree. But if you're starting more in the back, you've never been this many people. It, you've never had to zigzag an entire 10K before. So it, it's definitely a little more tiring you're used to running a straight line and here you're going to be going around people so it's got a lot of different challenges than most races do but the thing you have to be prepared on is is to know how to run downhill without taxing yourself too much and being able to run you know that mile uphill of cardiac and still being able to know that you can finish the last two miles i just thought of a great training idea okay okay so <laughs> if you're training for Peachtree, go to a braves game or a united game uh-huh and wait like 15 <laughs> minutes after the game to leave and then try to get out as fast as you can <laughs> that would be that would be the best way to practice for <laughs> right new training plan from jay all right <laughs> <laughs> we have some things to work on in the next few weeks amy but uh, yes. great to have you here and i do want to mention too your work with the elite runners of Atlanta Track Club. I mean, they had some great showings over this last year, not just in Peachtree, but in other races too. What's that like working with those athletes who are on a different level than most of us who are going to be running on July 4th? Well, I think the most exciting thing right now is that we have six people qualified for the Olympic trials. Wow. uh, For the Marathon Olympic trials, which will actually be here now in Atlanta. So we're really excited that the club can actually get to cheer for people that are representing the club that that everybody is in. So that's really the most exciting right now is our Marathon Olympic Trials qualifiers. And we also have some middle distance runners right now that are 
going to compete in Atlanta the next couple of weeks. They're really starting to come into their own and, and learning how to race the 800 in the mile, which a lot of people don't really run that or haven't run that in the last 30 years since they were in high school. This podcast is dropping on May 20th, so I'll give you a chance to promote the big race that we have in Atlanta with some of those middle yep. distance runners on May 22nd. Uh, so one of the really fun things is that we're bringing races into Atlanta, like I just said about the Marathon Olympic trials, but coming up on May 22nd, our middle distance runners, our 800 meter runners and milers will get to compete on Tuesday night at our all comers at Emory. The first race will be around 7 p.m. and the next race will be around 9 p.m. Everybody in our club will get to race and it's also free to everybody. So come and watch our milers and our half milers race on May 22nd in Emory. But there's also the high school Wingfoot mile as well that night. Yeah, it's a great meet. If you've never been to an Atlanta Track Club all-comers meet, first of all, you should come just to get a chance to try out some of the great distances or field events that we have. But the May 22nd meet at Emory, there are uh, the Wingfoot Invitational Miles for some of the best high school milers in the state, best middle school milers in the state. And then there's that elite men's and women's mile where we generally see a sub four minute mile in the men's race. And what's the winning time been for the women the last couple of years, Amy? Uh, For the women, it's probably been probably 440 but this year i think they're going to go under 440 for sure we have some great women coming in from the west coast and there's money on the line so they'll be oh, they'll be racing nice. for uh, for all of that on may 22nd so just a couple days from now so check it out at emory university on tuesday night some great inspiration for those of us who are just trying our own race on july 4th coming up with the ajc peachtree road race amy begley thanks so much for joining us here on the peachtree podcast all right thank you Know that PNC Bank supports you before and after the finish line with PNC Virtual Wallet. Get all the details at pnc.com slash virtual wallet. PNC Bank, proud sponsor of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC. Jay, I know a lot of people have questions, especially several weeks out from the world's largest 10K, but we'd love to hear from them on Facebook, Twitter. You're everywhere, right? Yeah, yeah. You can find us on Twitter at at ATL Track Club. On Facebook, just type in Atlanta Track Club. Instagram, you can send us questions on Instagram at Atlanta Track Club, or you can just send us an email the old-fashioned way. Email (laughs) stories at atlantatrackclub.org. If you've got questions that you want answered on the Peachtree Podcast, we're here to take them. And uh, we're going to have some fun guests next week as well. Maybe another elite runner, but we also want to talk about the clothing and the shoes. And the shoes are particularly impressive this year. I'm wearing them right now and they are so comfortable, but the shoes are just the tip of the iceberg of all the cool Peachtree themed stuff you'll be able to wear this year on the starting line. It's a celebration of running. It's a celebration of Atlanta and it is a celebration of America on July 4th. (laughs) And you're going to see that reflected in all the cool apparel. So we'll talk to some folks from Mizuno next week who are behind that effort. Well, be sure to share us with your friends and your family who are also running this race and join us here again next week for your next big training run. You've been listening to the Peachtree Podcast, the official podcast of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Thanks to this week's sponsors. For more information, visit atlantatrackclub.org. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ATL Track Club. A DYJ Media Production.